am Dr. Jennifer Churchill. This is the Happy Healthy Leaders Podcast. And I am joined with Nick Kastner, my producer tonight. Hello, Dr. Jennifer. It's great to see you. Um, you're eventually a, you're officially a podcaster, I would say. You know, we, we've like eased our way into it, but but um, before we were just, you know, kind of making banter in the green room and you're like, we're hitting record and we're starting. Yes. So here we go. This is the type of energy <laughs> I, I like. Well, I thought I would actually just um, start. I know we're talking about generational diversity tonight and some topics and themes that I think are really relevant to maybe some, you know, what might be going on for you potentially, but also um, in our workforce, there's lots of shifts and changes and trends. And I thought, what a better way to kick it off with just a personal share, actually, um, around just some of the differences amongst generations and how we show up when we're not feeling great at work. Yes, I mean, absolutely. And um, so the company, this is uh, like I, I said on the first episode I was on, um, my day job it deals with a kind of, I would say, bridging the gap between like the hardcore Gen Z workforce and then the, the generation above me, I would say that like the, there's like two distinct like types, types of people I work with. One, uh, they're 30 and younger and then the other uh, the other honor in the age bracket above that. Um, yeah. I also think it's very relevant for this project um, because we've been able to collaborate so well in, uh, even though we come from separate generations. So I, it was a topic as we, we, we were texting back and forth over the past couple of days about like, what, what should we talk about? And I, um, I, I think this is a, this is a good, like, I'm, I'm happy that, that this is where we're, where we're landing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it was interesting. I know we've we've tossed around the idea a little bit um in, rel- in for lots of reasons. One, we read that book, Arthur Brooks' um book on us uh, from strength to strength, and obviously he talks about the second curve of people um going into their middle-aged part of their pr- professional life and and so I want to reference that book um also in tonight's topic, but I think that another thing that is also like generationally different in terms of how people show up to work is like how they can show up when they're not feeling good and, and what their, I guess, values are around sharing what is going on with them also, I think is a huge, huge difference um, amongst generations. And the reason I bring it up is because obviously you and I were supposed to meet over the weekend And, um, and so, and you were so flexible with, with knowing, not really knowing the details of what I was going through the last few days. And it was just like really comforting knowing that it was a value of yours that you, you know, your mental health is a priority for me to be able to say like, I can't show up today and record. Um, I need some space and time and like really all the energy I have is just to like show up for my clients right now. And so I just, I, I just think that I wanted to share that because it was, it's going on in real time, right? For me. And it's, and it's a big value difference between amongst generations. Whereas I think I sit right in the middle of, you know, well, I am the middle, the generation between the boomers, which is, you know, 55 and up. And then I'm Gen, Gen X. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I'm Gen X, which is like 40 to 55. And then we have Gen Y, which is millennials, which I believe you fall amongst, right? So it depends how you define it. I'm either a tail end of a millennial or in Gen Z. I do think Gen I sometimes Z. get loose with the with the the um like definition because I watch yeah. a lot of TikTok. 
Yeah. So it's like in some ways I'm a Gen Zer, you know, right. but like I like the the 15 year olds would probably not think of me as their own. Right. So, so I think yeah. that I think that you probably fit really in turn. I think I think you fit probably more the majority of what you might show up as is more of that Gen Y millennial. But yes. you are on the cusp, right? You're on the cusp. Mm-hmm. And like there's no like clear cutoff like between like I still think I'm hip enough to like 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 maybe show up and hang out with some millennials, but you know, like, let's, let's be you honest. Are. <laughs> you are, you are. But anyway, I just think it's like, I, I think it's helpful like to like parts, obviously I want to share like really rich content and data as part of the show, but I also really want to lean into like what is happening in real time for both of us mm-hmm. sometimes. And, and that is a value difference in terms of um, the generation above me, just because of the nature of the way they were raised in the world that they, they were you know raised in, there was not a lot of awareness around mental health and, and treatment. And, and so I think just being able to acknowledge that we are shifting the world a lot with not only generational diversity being more inclusive that we're able to you know talk more in our workplace when we're struggling personally and having more acknowledgement and acceptance around it i think is it's growing there's still a lot of work to do and we still need to show up and do our job and i'm not not discounting that we still have a job to do but i think both we can both can be true you know we can hold space for both like we can hold people's hearts but we can also encourage their minds to like be be resilient. So I just think that that's a really big, big topic and um, something just to acknowledge. Yeah. If you're at the, if you're like looking down on the whole, like, like if, by looking down, I'm talking about age bracket of like the way the younger generation is looking at, at, at mental health. Um, I would say I, I have a more cautionary tale of if, when Never say back in my day, we used to just go to work like that, especially someone saying like, oh, like I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm, I'm feeling blank. Um, you should first like acknowledge that feeling and look to validate and then, and then build out, build out the next steps. And even though if it's like, hey, I'm stressed, so I'm not going to work this afternoon can sometimes be like, well, you got to work this afternoon. So mm-hmm. like, let's create a plan together to, yeah. to make sure everyone in this party wins. Right. Um, but the reaction should never be like back in my day, I was walking, <laughs> walking up hills both ways. Um, <laughs> but to, um, right. to kind of reciprocate the like good vibes from one generation to the next, um, Dr. Jennifer, the um, one thing I really appreciate from it, and I, I think this could come with more experience as well, but I do think Jen, like the younger generation that's in the workforce does not necessarily lean into the difficult conversation whether that comes through like negotiating or even like performance reviews and just like having a tough conversation at work. Um, and I do, and it's, it's probably because like my, the like mentors and colleagues are of the, uh, of generations above me and they, they've done it more. So they may just feel more, at, more at ease. But that is one thing that I do think the Gen X and above, it, it, it feels much more at ease at doing that. I think that, that I think us, us millennials and Gen Zs could yeah. we can learn from. Well, well, let's talk about the actual. I agree, like because there is some experience there, but there's also I also do think because we're still understanding how to collaborate amongst all generations and build generational diversity across our organizations. 
that we still like, I would say even my generation and the boomer generation, while we may have more experience, I think we still have opportunities to learn how to understand all generations more. So let's talk about the four generations that are in the workforce now, like the, the age range, the like kind of the qualities that they bring to the table. And what, like, what are some benefits to having that diversity? And then the, the biggest thing that gets in the way, in my opinion, of us being able to have more generational diversity and acceptance and inclusion is all is our unconscious biases that we all have. Hmm. And so I want to talk about that and how we can work with that a little bit. But then lastly, we have a new trend of, of retirees re-entering the workforce. And and so people who have been retired, you know, past age 65 or so for four or so years are wanting to re-enter the workforce for a variety of reasons. One, there's because of inflation and needing money to like support them through retirement is actually a big, a real thing. Them, and they're feeling more bored and like, and have less of a purpose. So there's, there's an entry of let's say a re-entry of more boomers back into the workforce too and the pros and cons of that. So I'll so I think it would be interesting to talk about that a little bit as well. Since it's a new trend, it's just on the it's it's hot off the press. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen the whole like retirees re-engaging thing just in the news, you know, hot off the press as as you will. But most of the data, like besides that one thing, I don't know anything of um that like any of the other trends that, that you just mentioned. So I will kind of let, let you let you kick it off. Yeah. So 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 in terms of the four, let's talk about just the four generations that are in the workforce now. And obviously we have the boomers, which are 55 and older. Then we have Gen X, which is my generation between ages 40, 40 and 55. And then we have Gen Y, the millennials, which is, I believe, 25 to 40. And that is actually the largest part of our workforce is the millennials and the Gen Y. And then we have the Gen Zs from age 16 to 25. So what's interesting about the generational differences is, so obviously we we make a lot of assumptions about each generation when we're working with, with each other. And, and so I think one of the things that I would like to just talk about is our unconscious biases of that can can get in the way of let's say collaborating more with someone who may be older like you're younger and older so what 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 is your kind of thought around working with someone who maybe is 55 and 60 and older like what is like what 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 goes through your mind when when you are kind of considering yeah just just share with me what, what goes through your mind yeah, yeah. So the first thing I said, thought to myself was, "All right, I, this is recorded. Don't say something really ageist." <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and ageism but, is is real, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most definitely. I mean, like in most contexts where that happens, uh, I approach the conversation of like they have they're at a place with great expertise, and but I do. I, so I'm either in it like purely to learn of like, all right, let me like absorb as much information as possible. Or there's a, a certain cases where it's like, oh, well, I have my own expertise. So like, let's, let's, let's make sure that's shared to complement the, the, the entire room. No, that's good. Yeah. That's great. I think, yeah. I think if we were to like weave in something that I think people could hang, hang their hats on when we're talking about um, these generational diversities 
is the the two forms of the two types of intelligence that we bring to the table. Like I would say my <laughs> demographic and older would bring to the table more of that crystallized intelligence, right? And that's what you're re- that's what you're referencing, right? Is like the experience, the the ability to really analyze a lot of information and, you know, problem solve at a like very strategic level. And then what you're, what, what I would say middle-aged and younger still brings to the table, like I would say, you know, twenties into the, you know, late thirties is more of that fluid intelligence where like new ideas are born and where we have like, you're more creative, like your intelligence still allows for like that kind of like creative synapses to fire. um, Whereas we lose that, you know, actually, sadly, really in our early 30s, and then, you know, it declines into our 40s and 50s. So I think what your de- what your demo, if we could talk about it in a way of what is what are the actual physiological kind of intelligence aspects that each of our generations bring to the table, we can we can help like think, think about and make decisions differently. When we're looking at a problem, because what we do is we make a lot of assumptions that in, that someone may not be able to bring, you know, the same caliber to the issue or the same, like, I don't know. Um, there, obviously, there's different skill sets that we that we bring to the table. And so, you know, not making any assumptions about about those, I think, is the first step in seeking to understand what, 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 e- what each individual brings to the table. That is like, that would be like one of my recommendations when we're thinking about like building generational diversity is, is acknowledging that we each, like everyone is on a, on a different part of that continuum of intelligence from fluid to crystallized intelligence. Yeah. I mean, and there's certain contexts where having a mix of people in such like a brainstorm, like that is mm-hmm. crucial and will, you know, generate more ideas in that context because you want people on either end of the spectrum yes. to, you know, respond and, 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 and communicate with one another. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So when you hear the words unconscious bias, what, what comes to mind for you? Um, I normally hear it in the context of like race and ethnicity conversations yeah. and that, and so that like when I, when I hear that, I think of examples in in that context, um, and I honestly don't even—I have not even applied it to an age context too too frequently. So even starting, like if if you can even think of an example, then I'll you know repack the last work week of of examples I know I have. So. <laughs> so so in terms of so we assume that actually boomers do not have a level of technology skill as, as much, as much as younger generations do. Um, and so what's interesting is they boomers actually would be on the like more advanced edge of technology savvy than out, than they, than would my generation because of Hmm. what, like, so let me ask you, why do you think that is? Hmm. I'm skeptical of the fact you would on it. Honestly, um, you're I, skeptical uh, of that. Or you're skeptical I, no, no, of that. I, I, yeah, yeah. But what? Why? What? What's that? I don't even because have a guess. Grandpa- like, because they're grandparents. Hmm. Yeah. So my generation, we're not grandparents yet. I mean, some are. Some can be really young grandparents. Yeah, but, but yeah. like, so there is a, there is actually an extreme like emotional motivation to become more technology savvy when you become a grandparent. 
because most grandparents actually sadly don't live near all of their grandchildren. And so they're motivated to like learn how to FaceTime, learn how to take pictures, how do you share pictures? And so there's like, so, so technology from like just a personal usage perspective is what I'm referencing here. But we make the assumption that they, they aren't as savvy as younger generations when in actuality, because they have a personal and emotional motivation to be more technology savvy because most of them are grandparents. We, we make an assumption about that in the workforce. So obviously there's other aspects of technology that are more relevant in, let's say in like a work, work, workforce or workplace, if you will, um, that they're still able to learn. And especially this, this re-entry of retirees, there is going to be like a learning curve for them. So there is going to be like, obviously if they, if managers do want to hire, uh, you know, and obviously you can't like not hire someone because of age, but, and that will be an interesting process as we, as we move through this world, this, this year. But I would say that, so that's a bias that we make about boomers than, than like, let's say my generation, but biases. So that is, so that's also kind of a bias that people have around unconscious bias is that it's, it's, it's mostly around, you know, you know, gender and ethnicity potentially. And obviously we have probably more of more biases in those, in those demographics, if you will, than others, but it's important to raise it here too, because what's interesting is it, we can, we can actually, I can give a really good example. Um, and I'm going to, this is Amy Cuddy, who's a sociologist. She, she, I don't know if you've um, read any of her work or not, but she, she asks, you know, she's like this very like proper, very like clean cut professor. And, you know, she asks, you know, what kind of music do you think I listen to? And, you know, when she's like trying to introduce the concept of unconscious bias and people assume like classical music and like maybe jazz and well, maybe country and she is like one of the biggest Grateful Dead fans. Wow. And so there, so just even that in terms of people make like really quick assumptions around kind of just any kind of descriptor of us. Um, so it's easy to do it. And that's, that's obviously not a damaging bias, assuming someone's music type. But like when we talk about unconscious bias, obviously with ageism and, you know, race and um, gender, obviously there can be damaging effects of that. So it's interesting. We all carry them is my point. Yeah. Yes. Um, what is the difference between like, well, I, and I think I may even have an answer, but like an, an unconscious bias and like a demographic trend, like for example, um, I would think the, I mean, boomers, my one thing that would be front, like first thing that to come to mind would be they're more conservative than than younger generations um but i i and i don't have this at my fingertips but i i think so, there is some data to back that up so yeah so what you're so they're 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 not mutually exclusive actually mm. so so obviously trends like trends and stereotypes let's give that give it another word can contri- can contribute to our biases and so while so that which is why we have them and but again, we're making we're making a snap judgment based on a stereotype or a trend about everyone then. 
pretty quickly without pausing to think. So we can, we can like, we'll have our bias. And here's the thing, recognizing the bias versus moving on from it and applying it to each person. So that's, that's the, 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 if we're going to talk about like maybe a treatment for this, for people, (laughs) not a treatment, but I would say, let's call it a pro tip is when you're recognizing like something coming up or you're making an assumption, this is where self-awareness of, you know, going back to our self-awareness podcast episodes, um, we'll have to continue to do more of those. Um, this is where self-awareness is critical is like when you're thinking about wanting to be more effective in a work in the workplace, like thinking about like elevating your self-awareness and what aspects of being in the workplace are important for you to be really self-aware around And a lot of it is like, so what contributes to working well together is removing biases. And so when we like observe or are introduced to an individual, we make snap judgments based on not only just our, like our, like our personal historical data, but all of the generations that came before us that contributed to the stereotypes and the trends. And so, so we want to acknowledge what we notice and slow down and like, and verify versus like make the assumption and move forward. So that would be my, my recommendation is like, how do we integrate into working amongst generations or between, you know, with generations more effectively is always to elevate that self-awareness, slow down, recognize what my assumptions and biases might be as I'm being introduced to this individual and or group and verify, like ask questions to seek to understand someone's stories versus, you know, sticking to your decision and moving forward with it. So that would be the difference in my, in like, I guess, in response to the question. My gut was saying like, don't assume. And that basically would like, in summary, be like what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, and then, so other ways to like break down the cultural barrier, just uh, what, what else like are, do do you have uh, additional thoughts, thoughts, feelings around, around that? The, the the cultural say that can you ask that question? No, no. Oh, I, um. So the uh, breaking down the the age gap. Excuse me. I was I was um getting getting to a point. I I wanted to make next, but like what both both from like the uh, from a, an an elder generation perspective to a, a a younger one. How like what what are some best practices to navigate this in in a work workplace? Mm-hmm. Well, first, well, maybe don't maybe don't say elder. Okay. <laughs> More senior. So <laughs> what are the words? What what are the safe words? Obviously, I don't know. What what are the safe words? Well, older older is fine. Is, right? is older fine? Okay. Yeah, okay. Older, I was thinking too hard like, about older. So so you know, I think that um I mean and like when you're like that's and that's the thing. Like like you it's so hard to navigate what words are not or are or are are or are not going to offend someone because in if any we, context. because if we look at native american populations for example be, being an elder is an extremely like honored and like valued and respected role and that word carries so much power like being becoming an elder in certain cultures is an honorable thing Right. So, but, in, but, you know, depending on who you are talking to in, in what country and what state of the United States, they may not feel the same way. So I would say, um, you know, thinking about 
you know, I mean, first of all, acknowledging them by their name, first of all, is always a good idea. Right. And, and just seeking to understand their story. Um, and, and having more experience is, is a wonderful descriptor. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I think, you know, you, you bring to the table, like so much experience. I want to understand what it is you bring to the table. It's about just having those conversations versus, you know, making those assumptions. I think something that I talk about a lot with my clients too is what is like, not only do, does every individual have a different purpose for why they do what they do, but every generation also has a very different purpose and, and understanding their why I think is really, really powerful. Like I would say my generation and older is we're, we're out, we were not always a tap. I mean, I would say that we're shifting a little bit more now, but like our purpose and why was always more around how were we supporting our families, you know, and like, and like meaning all, kind of always was a second, like a second reason to work. Whereas I would say even, even my generation and then now younger meaning actually carries more weight than how much money someone makes. So you know, that's where you could bridge the conversation amongst, you know, across generations is understanding someone's why. And usually it comes back to the same, like, like the same reason of like, what's important to you personally, like maybe, maybe having meaning in your role and adding value to the world is because you want to have a better, you want to create a better world for your, your own kids one day. Whereas, you know, making money and like being successful and, and being able to support financially our kids one day is so that they have, they grow up and, and have a good life. Right. So there's, there's that commonality. If you like, if you ask the question why five times and back up into it, usually it comes back to being able to support our family around a happy life, but the paths of getting there look a little different. So I would say yeah. that could be one way to do it in terms of we, I mean, we could really dive into a whole episode in terms of like communication methods and modes of communication across generations is a huge thing in terms of like how people like to be communicated with. And there does need to be more acceptance on both sides. Like, like a lot of individuals that are younger that I work with prefer to text. I prefer to call. I prefer to, you know, email. I mean, I, I, but I do it all. Versus whereas older generate, like the boomer generation, my generation and older would prefer to like pick up the phone and not text as much. So, you know, but where's, how do we, how do we bridge the gap? And it's, it's through talking about it, but there's a whole, that's a whole nother set of, set of tips. I would say we could reserve for another episode. I'm definitely, definitely warrants, warrants uh, a longer conversation. Um, but to, just a quick note to pause, because I've thought of it so many times in this conversation, in that you you had just mentioned that like the context of the words that that are used matters greatly. Um, but boomer is such a negative term amongst like Gen Z that like, okay, boomer is like a meme that's used. So um, like, I, I think we just referred to the, the demographic as they're called is the boomers. And that's just like such a funny um, would would make a group of 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 uh, a room full of a room full of high schoolers chuckle. Um, I know. But, so what do we yeah. do? So what do we do about that? Um, I think it's, I think in this context, it's not like a negative deal. Like I don't think yeah. I, I I don't think there's I don't think there's anything to do about it. But I, I was just like it it, it it came to mind, and it was like holding back a smile. So I thought I would say something. Um, 
Yeah. When it comes to leading a group or a team of intergeneration, um, how how would you go about approaching that? Yeah. What's so, so what's interesting is my generation comprises 55% of the leaders in the workforce right now. So I, I think about this a lot. And so I, co- so I coach a lot of leaders in my generation and older. Um, and so I, th- I would say that it's like any kind of inclusive approach is starting to understand what matters to each individual first and not making any assumptions. And then talking about work, work style. Work style is a really big deal for different generations and and a really and, and can be a really big difference because we have what's interesting is I was I was at a client last week with a group of leaders that were I would say like my generation and older like probably but really probably couched right in my generation and maybe a little bit older than me and many of them are like just they're like back in the office they want to like be back in the office now more you know, they're going to be like four, like four days, four days a week, mandatory back in the office now. And, and so that's been a really big point of contention, um, for generations that are younger who, you know, started like really entered the workforce with much more flexibility than that work style and how to work together in different environments is going to be also like we've talked about this issue before you and I, Nick, and now it's Mm -hmm. going to be a whole nother issue when it comes to generational differences as well. So, um, so really like, again, I know, I feel like I say this a lot, but it really is the entry point starting really deeply understanding what matters most to that individual, how they want to work, what their, what their purpose and their goals are and what is their, what is their career like trajectory in terms of what they would like to accomplish so that you are helping really customize a development plan that meets their needs while still meeting the needs of the organization. I mean, there can't be it all about, it's not just all about each person. It needs to be about the whole collective as well and, and, and driving to meet the business goals the best way possible without, I guess, um, really isolating anyone and like individually anyway. So um, I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. And I mean, as we develop recurring themes of the show, you, you mentioned that on the last episode too, of like asking the individual what their goals and aspirations are. I can, and then if once that plan is created and they feel like they are, you know, headed towards those aspirations, it can like build respect and, create a sense of, of belonging in, in unparalleled ways. Yes, definitely. Definitely answers my question. Okay. Well, and also, you know, I think the conversation starts with the leader. It comes from the leader first and then the right type of relationship will, it will empower and enable actually and ennoble that each individual team member to own their plan as well. Right. It's not about just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a collaborative trajectory, if you will. Right. And I'm just mm-hmm. noticing like a squirrel run by, sorry, <laughs> squirrel. literally a squirrel. I have, yeah. to, I have to keep an eye on my dog because she'll jump through the glass window if I don't call her name. So that would make such an entertaining, um, like audio. Well, it would be, like, it would be like her trying to jump through the glass door, not like, like obviously successfully doing it because she would be very, very, hurt if that happened yeah yeah yes and i'm sure it would hit a be a loud thud we would have to pause recording um 
bite. No, <laughs> yes. no, no. She's okay. She's like too tired too. We're at the end of our day here. So, you know, and you're like, you're late out there too. So yeah, very, very late. Very um, late. And I, yeah. yeah, I guess in terms of like the, like t- maybe to like put a bookend on this conversation, because I know that we were like, I don't know. Do you feel like we were all over the place tonight? Uh, I don't think so. I, 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 we, and I think it's interesting that like these, these themes that we keep on hitting, I mean, we've talked about self-awareness being important. We've just talked about how to yeah. have a sense of belonging, but like they all did come around this, the intergenerational communication yeah. theme. So like, yes, we're, we're all, all over the place, but it's also like a nuanced, complicated topic. It is. And, you know, I think as I'm, as I'm continuing to learn by doing this show, is and definitely keep this in because I want to come back and hear myself later. But okay. you know, what I'm lo- what I'm <laughs> what I'm learning is there are just some really consistent, powerful things that aren't super fancy that we just need to pay attention to more often. You know, and so while and while they may not be super fancy, and maybe they might seem simple, they're actually also really hard. You know, self awareness. I talk about that a lot. And I, I, and I will tell you, I pro- it's because it's the foundation of so much other aspects of being a leader for us to be successful. So, you know, what I'm recognizing is I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have these types of kind of re- coming back to these recurring themes types of episode, maybe around a different topic. But what I do want to ma- acknowledge here to my audience is that I'm getting a lot of really great feedback from my listeners already around like what they want to hear more of in terms of topics. And so something I do want to just maybe segue to for people to look forward to in the next episode is I want, I'm going to do a much deeper dive around sleep and its impact on leadership because I know I referenced that in our very first episode, Nick, you and I together. Yes. And I had so many people say, I never connected the dots. Like, I want to know more about sleep. And I take for granted that people just know everything about sleep and its impact on everything because, you know, I listen to the Huberman podcast and I assume everyone else does. (laughs) (laughs) Not everyone does. So what I want to do is I want to extract like all of the right data and research that I think is most relevant for leadership. And that will be my next focus on my my next episode, my next solo pod, potentially. Okay. Yes. Amazing. Um, yeah. And that's also like a note to people, people listening that we want feedback and we're at the, yes. uh, the, um, we're at the stage where like the audience is growing along with us. So please shoot us a note. We have an email, happy, healthy leaders at gmail.com or shoot like as a private note on LinkedIn is probably the best, best place to reach. Yes. Um, Dr. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Jennifer or myself. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. Well, and yes, since we can talk about all the logistics of that later, I was just thinking like, I need to get my YouTube page up, Nick. (laughs) uh, We will talk about all the logistics of that later. Yeah. Okay. As soon as we stop, stop hitting record. Um, But (laughs) um, before then, um, do you have any, uh, any parting, parting thoughts or like what, what makes you, is there something that makes you really optimistic about all of these generations working together. Yeah. You know, um, every time I get to be with my clients in person and I was reminded of this last week when I was in Chicago is like, most people are really good people. Like we're all like, really like we're trying to do our best actually. And, and like the key to like opening up those windows and those doors more to like working through all of this is just to be continue to be kind 
I mean, it's amazing just how far, like my, my acknowledging someone by their name who was making my coffee, how, how much that like, it like caught them off guard, you know? And I, and I, that's just something I learned from my dad watching him, how he treats people growing up. And so I've always done it. And it's just amazing to me, like how much we need to get back to doing that more and more is like just acknowledging everyone around us, be kind to each other because at, at our core, we're all really, really good people. And once we open that, you know, part of our hearts, we're able to have these harder conversations. So I, that's my parting. Those are my parting words. Just be kind, yes. continue to be kind and say hi to people and say that, say their name. It matters a lot. So yes, say, say their name. When, when we do this in a, um, in a, with a live studio audience, the crowd will be roaring. That's what I'm <laughs> right now, Dr. Jennifer. Um, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the happy, healthy litter podcast. Um, I gave the very first, uh, Spotify review. So if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, Please leave a five-star review. It helps the show immensely. Um, also hit follow and subscribe, depending on, on your show, to get the, the episodes automatically populated. We release episodes every other week, um, so we will see you back in the feed two weeks from today. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. Yep. Talk see to everyone soon. Bye-bye.